Welcome to the new era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Web3, the new era. Today, we're interviewing Sol Permable, who, after starting out in business school, shifted his direction towards the fine arts to hone in on his skills of photography and started a successful video production company in his final year of university before finding himself in Web3. At the time of this recording, Permable was making about five soul per week as a community manager for four projects, as well as 7% commission on business sales for Rad Rugs which totaled about $1,700 US per month based on the value of Solana at the time. Recently, Permable used his real-world video production experience to land a freelance video editing position through Web3 Connect, making almost two times as much monthly. Listen in to hear Permable talk about his journey to full-time work in Web3 and how you can take your transferable Web2 skills and successfully apply them to something completely new in the NFT industry. Stick around to the end if you want to here, Noland and I talk a little bit about group think in the NFT space, project culture, core values, and the differences of networking in corporate versus Web3. But without further ado, let's get into the interview. Alrighty, and we have Solana Permable with us here today. Very excited. Um, I know I met you, Perma, through the Soul Army. So I'm excited to hear about what else you have going on, what else you have on your plate in the Web3 space. So uh, with that, I'll go ahead and pass it over to you to introduce yourself a bit. Yeah, of course. So as you said, I'm Soul Permable. I'm a community leader at the Soul Army, and I'm both a community manager and a salesman with Radrugs. As for uh, some of my background, I'm 27 years young on the East Coast of the United States. I've first invested in Solana in December 2020. So 2021 was a pretty fantastic year. Not quite as uh, fantastic the beginning of uh, 2022, but um, you know, that is what it is. And I discovered NFTs much later, just in November 2021 is when I bought my very first one. And it wasn't until around January that I came across Rad Rugs and very soon after joining the server, you know, I was chatting with one of the founders in just the general chat and he kind of plucked me out of there, hit my DMs. I was like, who is this guy? And I had only ever used Discord for gaming. So now like at least just the way my DMs look, it's it's totally crazy. But he reached out to me. I guess he liked the vibe that I was putting out and asked if I wanted to come on as a community manager. And, and I was ecstatic because I was very interested in this space and I was interested in the, the product that they we're attempting to deliver and what they're trying to bring to that NFT space. So I've had a really sort of short time here, only about maybe five months at this point. But in just those five months, I mean, I, I only created my Twitter in December of last year. I hadn't used Twitter for probably over a decade before that. And everything's kind of new. And, and at the same time, everyone makes it feel like home for anyone like me. And that's why I'm here. Yeah, it's actually funny that you say that because I had deleted my Twitter back in like 2013 because I just, at, <laughs> at the time, Twitter was kind of lame, you know, like I guess yeah. maybe I wasn't in the right community. I don't know. But I got my Twitter back last year when I got into the NFT space and now I'm hooked. I'm like, forget all the other social media platforms. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm the exact same way. Like I can never open up Instagram. I mean, I never opened up Facebook ever, but that was the only other social media that I really had on my phone anyway. And it seems like based of how you described it, you weren't actively looking for a role in the space, right? It kind of just the Rad Rugs opportunity sort of just opened its doors for you. You know, I, th- I think I, I was actively looking for a job, but it it wasn't necessarily in Web3. I hadn't had any real work experience in the NFT space period. And I couldn't necessarily imagine what I could bring to the space until I started to join these communities, going to what my full-time, I don't want to say IRL because I still feel like Web3 is technically real, right? But my daytime job was um, was just not cutting it for me. I, I don't see myself being the person that kind of follows down a path because it's more stable or, or more safe. And I think that that's what was kind of keeping me at my last job. And at a certain point, I was just kind of fed up with being the yes man and, and things of that nature. So for, I don't know, maybe like the past eight months, really, I was looking for other primarily, you know, full-time in-office positions that were in my field. Even though COVID made me want to work more remotely, it just didn't really seem all that realistic because at least the way the pandemic's been going in the United States, the restrictions have been easing up and offices are opening back up, right? So I didn't necessarily know what I was looking for, but I didn't necessarily expect to kind of break out of what I was doing previously. I still had a lot of other interests and I just didn't know that there would be opportunities for me elsewhere, to be honest. I totally can resonate with that because coming from full-time consulting work at a traditional corporation, you don't really have insight into what your other options are when you've been doing something for so long. And I think like Web3 has opened an entire new world of possibilities. People are creating creating new roles all the time. That's the beauty of the space is that there is no industry standard right now. There is no traditional set of roles, although you know you have your typical community manager, mod, developer, all that type of stuff. But the space is so early and so new that that's going to change. Are you working full-time in Web3 right now? So I do technically work full-time hours in Web3 and I don't necessarily get paid a salary, right? So the way that that's structured is just a little different than how my other job positions had been in the past. But then at the same time, I I still do remote contract work doing video editing. So there's still a little bit of stability in the fact that I can make a little bit of USD while I'm trying to figure out something that is more stable in Web3 because the longer I exist here, the more I want to stay here truly. On that note, I know you're doing community management for Rad Rugs. Is that kind of your primary or your only role right now in the Web3 space or are you doing anything else for other projects? So I do also do sales for them and I would say that at least as of right now, that's probably my primary role with them. Something like that consists of a lot of client outreach and a lot of networking typically. And I'm a community leader at the Soul Army along with uh, with Mahler. And, you know, something like that is very, very community-based. I kind of live in the Soul Army Discord for all intents and purposes. I think most people at this point probably know me and, and know me quite well and they've likely even seen my my face in the voice chat I turn my camera on and everything and on top of you know doing things like that I, I help push out some content for the community I help bring some whitelist opportunities when I can things of that nature that's cool stuff I'm actually curious 
about your thought process on the community manager transition or even being a moderator transition or even sales for uh, for rad rugs as compared to the video editing that you do for your stability income right now like is there a reason you didn't want to carry that over or are you just kind of more open to other opportunities that aren't what you've already done in the past I think a lot of what I wanted to try to do in this space was just use my brain power how how I see fit. And at the same time, because this space is something that I want to really dive headfirst into, I'm willing to not necessarily take anything, but I didn't necessarily come to this space and see a whole lot of opportunities for video editing, though I think a lot of projects in this space don't really realize what they're building is is really akin to real world corporations. There just weren't really opportunities where I would be able to, to apply myself how I had traditionally seen fit. So coupled with that, I think I had gained a lot of skills being employed at a number of different companies. And at the same time, after having run my own company for three or four years, there was a lot of ways for me to contribute to the space. And if that meant that I was going to put down a camera or you know shut down my, my editing software, that was something I was very willing to do. Again, I didn't want to ever just do one thing. I, I really have been interested in crypto for, I mean, speculating since probably just 2019, right? It's not like it popped on my radar as early as most other people. But I got in Solana at, at a really fantastic time and it really opened my eyes to really what blockchain technology could do. And then obviously further down the line, months later, I find myself in NFT communities, something I literally never fathomed before. It's almost like a happy accident that I ended up here really. <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way. I didn't even know you had your own business. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I was a business major before I transferred to art school and I went to a very fine art college and, you know, having been a business major and, and me going to an art school, there was always that talk of like, oh, wow, you're really trading up money for being poor. Like that's something everyone would always try to tell me. But I went to art school with the full intention of, you know, kind of honing skills that I had in photography and video and then take those skills and directly commercialize it in a sense and not try to necessarily be a gallery artist. Uh, I was going to art school for, weirdly enough, for stability. And the year before I graduated, me and one of my colleagues, we started our own video production company. By, I want to say, two months before we graduated, we were contracted to shoot and edit a public television documentary. And pretty soon after that, we became the East Coast videographers and photographers for very large publication. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really doxing myself here, so so let's not say exactly what it is, right? But no, that's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did contract work for you know people like Christie's Auction House, Nissan, and, and and things like that. So there was, like I said, a lot of things that I was able to pull from what I do into this space, right? Uh, having run a company and doing all of these client relations, and then all of this sort of back end clerical work that comes with actually owning and operating a business. Again, something I felt like could really translate to this space quite well. No, and it sounds like it definitely has. I mean, like you said, these projects are literally running like businesses, but they don't really know it yet. 
which is a problem yeah. and that, that creates a lot more problems for sure. I'm curious for you, thinking back on your entire journey, what has been the most high impact decisions you've made? And let me clarify what I mean. Like high impact as in I stepped up to one role and then that opened up like six other doors where I met these interesting people. And then I've been able to um, create new opportunities out of that as well, for example. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely think not picking up the pen, right, because it was a digital application, but applying to be in the Soul Army, I think, has kind of changed my trajectory in this space tenfold. I've gotten clients for rad rugs through them. I've now been on two podcasts. I've become a community leader with them. It, it's kind of insane like how quickly these things have been happening. I, I joined the Soul Army, I think January 31st or something like that, maybe a couple of days around there. And since then, it's just been a, a whirlwind of possibilities. Uh, I feel like the amount of people I could possibly meet or be connected to just from these 500 people around me is is kind of crazy joining a community that i felt we had like-minded goals i think that's probably easily the most important thing that's happened to me in this space it's incredible you say that because i'm just kind of thinking for myself like a lot of these projects they they quote unquote have communities but it's just insane like i mean absurd the kind of opportunities things that get built when you have the right community when you have the right group of people kind of all centered with a with a building mentality. It's kind of that idea of slow at first and then just kind of seems like all at once, right? And that's kind of what you were describing with the Soul Army as well, just how many opportunities, how many people you've met that just it all piled onto itself. Is that is like my hitting the nail on the head there for you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, any community like that is going to basically put out whatever you put in. I put in so much effort into that community. And what I've gotten out of it is obviously everything that I've been I've been saying. I think as long as you're really applying yourself, the sky's the limit here. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up too. I feel like in our first podcast episode we recorded, Noland, you might have brought up something about, I think we were talking about Soul Army, we were talking about community and that those types of communities rarely exist. Like the the type of tight knit, just like positive vibes, supportive foundation that they've created over there to be honest and you know I'm not like exaggerating here I don't think I've ever seen anything like it and the aspect of community is so crucial in this space yet very few projects execute it well so I guess I'm curious Perma from your perspective like what are the most important aspects of building out a strong community or kind of thinking about it in a different way it's like how do you successfully build out a strong loyal community in a space where you know attention spans are short and users have like thousands of choices at their fingertips I think it's almost like a top down sort of a thing within the team, right? You have to have respected devs. You have to have like-minded founders. You have to have the moderators in the Discord. You have to have those community managers. I don't think there's necessarily one surefire way of building whatever the best community is. I think a lot of what we see in the space currently is um, people manufacturing crowds through Twitter engagement versus getting people in your Discord talking about your project and actually learning with you, providing feedback for you, and just interacting with you. There's so many things that go into making a community, but at the end of the day, the only thing that is actually important is the people. 
without the people in your project, there's not going to be any eyes on it. So they're not going to be buying without any people following you. You're kind of dead in the water for all intents and purposes. And you're driving home, I think, a crucial point that is literally going to decide how these projects move in the next year. It's it's the people, it's the devs, it's the, it's the people on the ground in the Discord, just the average holder that decide they either want to make something out of this project and this community, or they decide they don't and they get out. That single-handedly, I think, will decide how a project's going to move forward. I mean, it goes without saying that a project has to have some sort of worth itself. I think we do also see a lot of projects coming out that kind of skew the audience's view of what the project is, you know, using kind of keywords like staking or some sort of tokenomics or or something like that, right? Oh, Uh, oh yeah. (laughs) And yeah. (laughs) So aside from any of that, a project does also have to have have its own worth. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's, I mean, ties back to what Golden Blazer says: is the the Ponzanomics meta is just ridiculous right now. <laughs> there you Genuinely, go. Genuinely, yeah. for you in particular, transitioning from Web two, I would say traditional job, I guess more specifically, to Web three work. What's the most challenging part of the work that you're currently involved in? Honestly, it might be the hours. I have I almost have a hard time stepping away from my computer or putting my phone down these days. I love where I am so much that from the moment I wake up, I'm opening up Discord and saying GM or or something like that and then I'm getting dressed, washing my face, showering, going right down to my desktop for the next 12 hours. I mean, obviously feeding myself, walking my dog, but the type of hours that I'm putting in, I think I might have a little less personal time or, or time with my girlfriend. I mean, we live together and, and she loves that I'm, I'm happy and that I'm, I'm doing something that I love. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily doing everything that I was doing before. I might have been a little bit more social or, or more inclined to be social, at least in a public setting, right? Because I'm very social in Web3 still. But yeah, I think there's a little bit of a sacrifice that I might have made with regards to my free time. Yeah, and I was just talking to, to somebody about that the other day about the the screen time. Like ever since I, I joined the NFT space, that my screen time on my phone, I didn't think it could get higher than it was before. Granted, I you know Instagram was really my primary time consumer back then, but I feel like I haven't checked it recently. But I feel like my screen time has at least doubled, if not more than that. Even you know after the pandemic started, traditional jobs moved remote, so that or at least many traditional jobs moved into a more remote virtual setting. So I think a lot of people are familiar with that line between a work-life balance sort of being blurred a bit. And I think that 100% carries over into the NFT space, if not like more, just because how quickly the space moves and a bajillion things going on at, at once, and you're wanting to make sure you're contributing and it's fun, it's interesting. So you're not wanting to miss out that sort of like FOMO mentality in a sense. But um, switching gears a little bit, I am curious to just hear about what an average day in the life looks like for you, like in your roles at Soul Army, at Rad Rugs, from the time you get on your computer and start working to the moment you kind of sign off for the day, like just what does an average day look like? Yeah, you know, a lot of it is doing some form of outreach. If it's not talking with uh, one of the founders at the Soul Army or in our group that we have for uh, for the community management 
in in the army there's a lot of discord moderation in a way it's not necessarily moderation but you know when anyone of a leadership position is in one of these chats you're generally someone that people are asking questions and they're wondering where things are when this when that a lot of really general stuff i think we're all uh, familiar with and then specifically for something like rad rugs where i'm doing sales that's a lot of back and forth between clients and the founders at rad rugs and making sure everyone's getting everything that they need for the most part i'm able to tell everyone everything that happens with regards to a review and what that process looks like but usually you'll find that there's people that have a crazy number of questions or people that may want like some sort of custom package and, and talk to other people. And I, I don't necessarily have uh, all the power to just say, yeah, we, we'll do it this way or whatever it is. So again, a lot of back and forth to, to founders and a lot of Discord stuff. I try to not be on Twitter all too often when I'm working because I can kind of get lost on social media. There's a lot of memes that people post in the Web3 space and that is just a, a rabbit hole that I do not want to get lost in when I'm trying to work. Doing sales in the Web3 space is a little bit crazy because there is always another project coming out and it's a, another potential client that I might want. And then at the same time, if I intend to go full-time in Web3 and if I make commission off of these sales, then me not reaching out to those new clients is me potentially not making money, right? It's uh, maybe a little bit tiring. There's probably a reason why I'm on my computer somewhere between 16, 18 hours a day, but Web3 never sleeps. It's kind of crazy. I do, fortunately, I do get to sleep. <laughs> that is very true. Web3 never sleeps, especially because it's global and we're interacting with people in completely different time zones every single day, which that's the most mind-blowing part to me. Like obviously before Web3, we still had the opportunity to interact with people across the globe. But this space is at least my first encounter with actually seeing that happen all the time, daily at your fingertips, talking with somebody who lives over in Australia or, you know, who lives over in Asia. Like it's absolutely incredible what this space has done for collaboration at such a broad scale. And I, I've just never seen anything like it. And there's just so much opportunity for that as well. In the Web3 space, there isn't really like an industry standard for payment, right? For compensation, for different roles, whether you're a community manager, dev, whatever that might be. And as part of Web3 Connect, we're looking to combat this a little bit by just giving people a little more insight into what other people are making in specific roles. And, you know, of course, if you aren't comfortable with sharing that on the pod, we can definitely kind of talk offline about it. But we are looking to build out like a anonymous income repository of sorts, very similar to Glassdoor, just so that we could start creating that archive to give people insight into what they should be expected to be paid in certain roles, to have a little bit more standardization around that. So I did want to just ask if you're comfortable with sharing. If not, we can skip this question. Yeah. So between the positions that I have, you know, like I said, I, I do not make a salary and I'll only make commission off of sales that actually, well, 
I guess, sales that sell, right? <laughs> um, but anything that I do actually sell, I would make commission on. So I would say between a few other projects, maybe making around two grand, three grand or so, it's not anything super flashy. And I think that that's probably why, at least for the time being, I'll still do some sort of video editing, uh, like on a contract that I currently have, so that I can supplement whatever I'm making in, or really it's so I can supplement that with what I'm making in Web3. It's, uh, like I said, nothing flashy, but for people looking to get paid in this space, you will literally never know the opportunity if you're not out there asking. There are plenty of projects out there that are either self-funded and they have developers that are actually going to pay you, though it might not be a lot. There are projects that will. You might find a project that's VC funded, in which case you might actually get paid a salary. The opportunity is out there, but you really have to be looking. Yeah. And it's kind of weird when some of these projects can't really offer you payment once you start working for them immediately. And it's kind of off-putting for people that have lower risk tolerances to do work for them, even if it could be a quality project coming up. So that's one kind of limitation I see. But as it matures, as more outside money decides to come in, should we give them a reason to? I hope that that will change in the long run. I didn't start trying to work in this space after I quit my position, right? I was in this space for a couple months while still working a full-time position at a in-office job, but because of COVID, it, it was mainly remote. And I think if you're looking in this space and there's not really projects that might be able to pay you something that you find sustainable, then it also comes down to the fact that the reality is, is that you do actually need money. So I don't necessarily con condone someone just quitting their job and thinking they'll hack it in Web3 and it'll all pan out. That's not necessarily so easy, right? Putting that time in, actively looking for things and preferably doing that while you have the safety net of, uh, of another position is really one of the best ways to get started in here. If you're on the fence and you have a job right now, pick up a moderator position, pick up a community manager position. If you have an IRL job, you know how to interact with people. Do it. No, I could not agree more. And it's it's interesting. Like there's obviously different levels to these people's risk tolerances as well. If you think of someone who has very little access to money or opportunities to earn money without an atrocious trade for your time, it's ridiculous what Web3 will begin to offer or and continue offering kind of as the whole thing matures. And I wanted to get your thoughts because I think we can all agree the market's been a bit bearish right now. Even NFTs, Magic Eden volumes not looking too happy right now. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the big picture? picture, whole market sentiment, and when things get bearish, to what extent do people run versus do they double down and into building in the space? And to me, that screams like accumulation, and then we could see another bull run. But kind of aside from the financials, what do you see happening? What's your angle on that? I think bear markets are fantastic for the NFT space. Absolutely. If everything is hunky-dory, there is literally zero incentive for projects to continue building. When everything is kind of going to crap and Solana's down 
70%, you start to see the projects start to come out of the woodworks, the ones that haven't been sitting on their hands this whole time, just raking in the cash from secondary sales, whatever that is, right? There's so much time for projects to start building during these months where there's probably a lot less revenue coming in. And without the bear market, people would really never get the chance to see that not a whole lot is going on in the background on some of these projects. Yeah, absolutely. And exactly to your point, to the extent that people are running, just cashing out and getting out of the entire ecosystem, I mean, that screams more bearish. And to the extent that they're going to keep building, I mean, that screams like it's going to pop again. The innovation's going crazy. And to that level, it's always going to vary. Depends on really who's taking charge and who's like collaborating interesting ideas. But it also plays a huge part in who's getting paid to contribute, not in a bad way, but in a very, in a, in a good way, in a are innovators getting rewarded for their time, for their contributions, for whatever they're building, even in a bear market? And I wanted to ask you if you had any advice for the average person looking to make a buck, even doing community mod, or maybe they have some crazy idea, but the payment might not be there yet. How do you negotiate that pay? How do you kind of set the standard for that when it's not a bit clear what you can expect to get paid for a certain role? And I know we're building kind of a, a a repository of all these salaries, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone is ever really comfortable going to whoever their quote unquote employer might be and asking for money, right? That's never something that's super simple to talk about. But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you kind of have to know your own worth. And if you're going to undersell yourself, that's unfortunately how people are just going to pay you. If you want more money and you're hungry, you have to work harder. You have to show that you are technically worth whatever that is. And for the most part, like I was saying, you will find projects that might have the money to pay you some soul every week. It's not, uh, I actually don't know where I was going with that. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like those are like the best types of answers sometimes where, where you kind of start your thought and you're not fully sure where it's going to end off. But <laughs> I love those because it's organic, right? It's like your thought process, the flow, the chain of, you know, the thoughts that are happening in your brain just kind of coming out. And sometimes you get to the result and it's just kind of like genius, right? It's like not, that's not what I planned for, but, you know, just dropped some wisdom. So Honestly, so true. It's just like a happy accident. You were like a genius just then right <laughs> a little bob exactly. ross moment <laughs> yeah um on that note we have just a couple closing questions for you which are a little off topic a little on topic but i always like hearing people's perspective on this because as much as people say you know are we really early in this space? I know some people kind of disagree with that because of, you know, how quickly everything's moving. And we've been saying we're early for so long, but I truly do think we are still very early and there's a lot to be created and evolved from where we are currently. What is your craziest NFT prediction? So like the craziest thing or most out there thing that you think we'll be using NFTs for in the future? Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't necessarily know that I, I find it crazy. I, I genuinely just think NFTs in general have a place in society of the future, whatever that looks like. You know, I, I think the start of it was something like Coachella doing what they did. And it could come down to season tickets to your favorite football team being some sort of NFT drop. It could be tickets to any sort of IRL event. I mean, I, I know that we're kind of seeing that happen right now. I see them really kind of just not necessarily taking over, but their use case exists today. 
you know, it's like you see it in even like games like uh, Fortnite or, or Call of Duty, right? People are effectively buying NFTs in that game, but just dressing it up as, you know, these downloadable skins that they, they buy with their Fortnite coins or whatever it is, right? Yeah, I, I really think they'll really be kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I love how you phrase that, the the use case for NFTs. I think, you know, very few people that I know in real life actually even know what an NFT is. Um, <laughs> and which is unfortunate, but, you know, I try to, I try to, I'll tell anybody who will listen, right, I'll talk about it. But I think a lot of people, when they do know a little bit about NFTs, all they're really thinking is a JPEG, right? You know, a picture that you might put as your profile picture, you're paying thousands of dollars for it really has no other purpose other than that. And it's just so far off base, Um, you know, being in the space for even a week, you can kind of see that. And I think it's so important to, to talk about because the underlying technology of what an NFT is, that sort of digital proof of ownership can transcend into really almost anything, right? Like car leases, house deeds, like who knows if we're going to get there and when that's going to happen. But the fact that we're so early on, you know, we're early adopters in a sense, like it'll be much easier for us to make that transition than than some of the people who might be resisting <laughs> that change right now. Yeah, that's for sure. That is definitely for sure. I mean, just like right now, right, you're seeing NFTs like give you access to things like online tools, marketplaces, you know, you get revenue share. They give you access to something like gambling, depending on where you're from, right? Merchandise, real estate that's happening currently. Real estate's happening currently. You're seeing play to earn games, DeFi, DAOs, staking, breeding, right? There's so much already happening currently. Like if you're not seeing this as the start, I hate to say you're not going to make it, but... Yeah, now you want to ride the wave on this one. <laughs> that is yeah. 100% the case. And speaking of riding the wave, one curiosity I have for you is just gut answer. Do you see yourself staying in the NFT space for a while? And what is like the core driving force behind that? Because I already think I know your answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 100% yes. I, I want to stay here for as long as people will have me. The core driving force of that is that I truly believe the people that are working in this space now are the ones that are ushering in everything that everyone talks about, what blockchain technology, what NFTs, what crypto could actually be. What we're able to work on and actively build today is the precursor to all of that. And I would hate to give something up like that. The things that we're building in this space, like I said, right, I'm someone that genuinely believes that there's use cases for these across the board in multiple industries. And I want to be one of those people that said that they built it and not necessarily so, so plainly, right? But I think that's what keeps so many people here is that everyone says that they're early in terms of investing and they don't even realize how, how early all this is in terms of building. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And there's, I think there's a fine distinction to the answer of your question because a lot of people are going to say money and it's not necessarily a bad thing to want money and to chase after it. But the distinction is, and like the way I see it is when the money follows the value delivered, that's when you have a winning ecosystem because there's just no reason for the innovation not to continue if that's where the resources are moving. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. 
I mean, when No Pants from Radrux came to me, and I do like a little bit of marketing and uh, and networking for a couple other projects that are still like kind of in their infancy. And when literally every single one of them came to me and were like, "Oh, we could we could pay you a bit," uh, every single time I was like, "Nah, you, let me see how everything is working out here, and then we'll go." The money is nice to have in this space but the possibilities that come along with being here in the first place is so much more than enough to keep me here i like that i like that a lot well i think that was an amazing place to end off um we don't have any other questions for you perma this has been really awesome i just i'm so excited for this podcast and having all these different guests like the conversations we've had so far have just been absolutely incredible and this is what i know i love to do is just talk about the space like it's so interesting to hear different people's perspectives on it and your perspective has been absolutely incredible to hear so we really appreciate you taking the time to meet with us Absolutely. And I'll say this a thousand times more. Thanks for having me here. You know, you you guys are helping me build myself in this space. So, so thanks to you. Yeah, that's the whole game, man. It's brand awareness, making, letting everyone know exactly what you stand for, why you stand for it. All of that is the whole game. Super thrilled to have you on, man. Thank you. All right. Don't forget to follow at Solana Permable on Twitter. You can keep up with us over at Web3ConnectX. Our personal social accounts will be in the show notes. And stick around if you want to hear more about how customer psychology, culture, core values, and networking, all critical aspects of the business world, also transcend into NFTs. But otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. For mints recently, everybody's just sitting there and watching the count. And it's funny mm-hmm. because like since everybody's doing it, the count is staying low because exactly. everybody's waiting. So yep. then nobody ends up minting because everybody had the same strategy thinking, oh, I'm going to wait and see how many get minted out. Right. But it's tricky too, because I know when I first joined the space, within my first two months in the space, I was like heavily into just flipping and trying to find the right communities, trying to find the right projects. And mm-hmm. as a new joiner, you're heavily reliant on on that sort of hype and the group think that happens across Mm -hmm. socials, across Twitter, across Discord, because you're not informed yet on where you should be going and what you should be evaluating to figure out if something's a good investment. So if you hear dozens of people talking about something, that's what you're going to go and mint, and you're just going to kind of take the risk on that. And it's almost like that group think is carrying over now into this sort of bear market where people are seeing other people be super risk averse and take certain strategies like waiting to see what the mint volumes are going to look like. And then that only digs a bigger hole into the bear market than if everybody kind of just started thinking for themselves and started doing their own research and picking their own quality projects like you're doing on secondary. Let me show you this collection because I think it encapsulates perfectly what you're describing. I just DM'd it to you, but it was called Solana Bets. And I remember minting this and I, no, actually I didn't mint it. I paid at the top, like 1.25 soul. And I joined the Discord and I just saw everybody in the Discord spamming D-list train. Like the, you know, the little D-list, D-E-L-I-S-T. And then they put the little train in the front and the, mm-hmm. the caboose in the back and the little alerts on the side or whatever. And they just spammed that all the way through the chat. And in my mind, it's like how much liquidity from the overall market is moving towards a garbage project. It is literally a gamble when you get into a project like that. But the problem is the tool that facilitates the community on a Solana Bets Discord, which is, let's call it a garbage project because it is. 
you still have a community on there. As disjointed, as broken as it is, you still have real life people trying to pump their own bags, but they're still real life people. And that impacts how you perceive it, right? And the same way that the things that I read in the Soul Army or Cubist Collective or my, my friend groups or whatever, like that impacts how I see these things too. And my point being like, it's the same discord. It's the same tool. You're interacting with other people, but you have to be so aware of the kinds of interactions that you're having with these different groups. Well, a great example of that is, you know, several projects on or leading up to Mint Day will have that, like, you know, that standard thud just kind of sprinkling around. Communities <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because somebody, like one person who has no idea what they're talking about, made some outlandish claim that has no backing to it, but that group think, right? Everybody hears it and they automatically a rumor starts and people start getting scared and people start jumping on the FUD train. And that can completely ruin a project's hard work for months these people are building. And because of that group think FUD, it could just be like gone within a split second, which is honestly very frightening. Yeah, that's you have to be super careful about the communities you engage with. And I think that particular Discord pushed me over the edge because Solana was still kind of expensive for me. It was like 130, 140 bucks. So losing 0.6 is like, that's not nothing. Like I was, I was kind of pissed and I was incredibly low liquid. I might've had like five or six soul to my name at the time before the pass drop. Then even once the pass dropped and it ran to like 90, I was like, nah, I'm still not selling this. But that's besides the point. I decided at that point that I wanted to be in a group where instead of being sucked in by the tidal waves of the D-list train and I don't want to say toxicity of that community, the very short-sightedness of it. You don't see anyone making calculated bets there. Everyone in that Solana bets discord at the time had the same thing in mind of let's all make money let's let me dump on you once the floor price goes up and then let me get out i want like i wanted a group that wanted everyone else in there to win and that was able to look at a solana bets discord and be like this is garbage we're not even touching this and that's the first thing i noticed in the soul army after i got in is losing that money in solana bets basically pushed me to dm soft money on twitter and then he referenced me to general soul and then General Soul let me in the Discord, and that single-handedly has changed my life. It's totally in the quality of the people that you're around. Even if it's facilitated by Discord, you will always have to look at the people. Invaluable lesson for me. I mean, it's not only true in this space, right? Like it's you are who you surround yourself with in a sense, like even your in real life friends. I think that's a theme that many of us have learned throughout our lifetime. But oh, yeah. specifically when we're referring to this in the NFT space, I think that that very concept of the wrong, you know, quote unquote, wrong communities or toxic communities, I think is the face of the NFT space right now to people who don't know anything about it. And what I'm seeing a lot of in my TikTok comments when I'm posting about NFT content, not many people on TikTok are, you know, well versed on what's happening in the NFT space in Web3. And if you don't know anything about NFTs, the first thing you think is that the first thing you think is, flippers, Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, scams, people who are just trying to like dump the bag and their own money, screw everybody else. Like that is very much what the stereotype is right now in the space. And it's it's hard because there's truth to stereotypes. Like they're, they're stereotypes for a reason that people didn't just make that up. And people don't realize that that's not the entire space. It's a part of it. It's a huge part of it, right? But that's not where this space is always going to be. That's not where we're heading. It's just where it is right now. 
now because the technology is so early. But that's, oh, yeah. that's the great part about it, though, too, because we can define what that future looks like. Like, yeah, you have to kind of deal with the cons right now. There's going to be cons in any industry, especially with emerging tech. That's just brand new and nobody knows what to do with it yet. But the fact that we're able to shape the future and where we're heading with this, I think is the most exciting part. It's actually really interesting that you say that. I've, to me, and I'm, I'm sure many people agree with this, like you vote with your money. You vote to the restaurant you go to, you vote with how you tip, you vote with like how much tip you leave on DoorDash versus in person. If, if I'm going to a drink store and they make me an awesome drink, I'm like, yeah, I want to come back here. I want them to treat me well. So I'm going to tip them well, for example. You very, very much are voting with your money every time you make a transaction on Magic Eden, even if it's in a little royalty that's going to the D-God's wallet. But at the end of the day, they're getting money. And to the extent that they're going to do valuable things with the money that they're getting from my transactions is the extent that they're going to build for us. And that's something that I can't stress enough is like, while we don't know exactly how the money is moving, if there's generally a bullish sentiment about how a team is spending their money, how they're using their dev tools, everything about how they move the money, that is such a strongly defining factor of the long-term success of any project. And it's something that I guess I didn't and still don't appreciate as well as I could. Yeah, I saw, um, I think PG tweeted the other day about a project that he said he wasn't going to be minting for the very reasons that we're talking about in that it's mostly built off hype and he took a look into their roadmap and what they were planning and just wasn't confident that they're going to be around long term. He kind of felt like it was going to be a, a pump and dump. And he made the very mature and informed decision to say, I'm not putting my money there. Because as a consumer, I have the power, like you were just saying, like where I put my money is where that power goes. Like we control the market in that sense. And not in a sense of like, oh, we should, you know, consciously manipulate things, but in a sense that we should be cognizant of where our coins, our tokens are going, because that will very well continue to influence the trends and could or could not pull us in and out of bear and bull cycles. Like we as the customers participating in this have a huge contribution to where we go next. And like your money is the biggest part of that. 100%. Do you know what the butterfly effect is? You've heard of it, right? I have definitely heard of it. And I've definitely seen the movies, but and it's just like a domino <laughs> effect, right? Like when one thing happens, another thing happens, so on and so forth. Yeah, given enough time, like a tiny input in one place can create a massive, massively different output in a different area of the world. And I wonder to what extent the money from the paper hand tax in D-Gods when it first rolled out, I wonder to what extent that has helped propel it to where it is today. And it makes me wonder about each little transaction that I make now, every royalty that these companies are getting, I mean, I don't even feel like calling them collections, they're companies. Every dollar, every every 0.01001 soul that these companies are getting, I wonder to what extent that makes a difference today that we're not going to see manifest for the next three weeks, four weeks, six months, two years. Like You never know if the one sale, the one transaction that you made was enough to make the wallet balance look healthy enough to hire another dev. That's kind of what I mean by butterfly effect in this particular sense. And I can't even imagine the astronomical outcomes that are happening right now that are going to manifest themselves in 15 years because we decided let's put a little more money or a little more traded volume into the D-Gods, for example. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like we were talking about something similar on an earlier episode, but the whole concept that like as consumers in this space, we have direct access to the teams that are building out these startups that are building out these companies. And we are investors. We're angel investors in a sense, like just yeah. like stockholders in a traditional corporation. So exactly like our money is being put towards what they're building out. And so in a lot of these cases too, we even have a say because of how the startup culture and the transparency in the community aspect of it, these projects are looping in their communities on decisions, especially those that have actually like governance and DAOs behind them. You don't have to create your own project to have an impact on the future of the space. You can legitimately just be an investor, be a holder and be able to contribute to that sort of definition of where we're heading. Yeah. The outcomes of the stuff that we're doing now, it's impossible to measure. Like, can you imagine? I, you can't imagine. The kind of relationships that you're making right now in Web3 Connect as people post ads and someone else puts a vouch for this sticker or DM me sticker and they, they have like a relationship now and someone has a line of work and someone hired talent. Even if that project doesn't go anywhere, the experience they get from having that relationship in the first place We don't know where that's going to end up in 10 years or in three months or if that person's going to go off and start another NFT project because of maybe flaws or or wins that they saw about the Web3 Connect platform or even their own relationship with each other. We can't understand what's happening right now and how it's going to impact everything else going forward. And it's just kind of ridiculous for me to sit with that idea. Like even your Twitter spaces, the sole big brain Twitter space about uh, what was that Enigma DAO or whatever that was. I don't know if you listened in on that. Not that I have anything to comment about it more. So the people that listen to it, what if they're like, oh, the space is still so immature. Let me build something crazier. And that's, that's kind of um, actually, I don't, do you listen to Gary V? No, no, I don't. So I was reading his book and he was talking about how there's so many analytics to measure the bottom line and profits versus revenues versus margins, What all these different business statistics, but you can't measure the soft skills, the empathy portion of it. But he always, not always, but I'll notice him more often than others going back and saying, what if some six-year-old in Arkansas right now is the one to develop a system to score this emotional intelligence kind of portion of how businesses are run and does it well? And the reason I bring that up is because him more than most, I feel like has an appreciation for that butterfly effect. And I think very highly of him. Well, and I think it also ties back to the concept of networking in a sense too. We both come from business backgrounds and in a traditional sense, networking, at least in my opinion, has always felt very disingenuous. It's always felt very inauthentic to myself. Like it's always felt forced because in a business world, at least from my experience, the intent behind that networking, it's all about who you know, right? You never know who you're going to meet. That concept of, you know, anybody in this space could build something crazy 10 years down the line and you could have met them through Web3 Connect one day. Like that whole concept of networking in the business space, I think comes from the intent of wanting something from somebody. It sounds a little odd, but like like I kind of can sense that sort of energy sometimes, like, you know, people's vibe. And it sounds very like hippie-esque, but I've always <laughs> sort of been able to kind of like sense that. And I think being in, in business school and college and being in corporate, you can very much feel that sense of, well, I'm doing 
this or I'm saying this this way because I'm being very mindful of how I'm presenting myself and I need X, so I'm saying Y. Whereas it feels like in the NFT space, the concept of networking is still there. Like we were just talking about, we're meeting people all the time that are building incredible things, incredibly intelligent people. And when you're quote unquote networking, I don't even like that word in this space. It feels out of context. Like I almost want to reword it. But you know, networking in this space comes from the intent of genuine interest in what that person has to say and genuine interest in seeing them make it along with yourself, along with everybody else in the room, that whole sort of wag me type of culture and wanting to see everybody succeed, not because you want something from them, but just because that's the culture that exists in this space right now, which I just appreciate so much coming from that sort of background in corporate. Like it's just very, very different. You can't find that anywhere else. It's interesting you say that. My gut reaction was I was actually going to push back and play devil's advocate and say, I would argue it's human nature that you say something because you want to get something back that conditional, let me give X so that I can ask for Y in like a week or something. I would argue that that still happens in the NFT space. And that's where my pushback kind of ended. And I actually agree in the sense that people are going to be greedy in the NFT space. We've seen it already in crypto. People are very, very greedy. It's human nature. You can't run away from that. I think the distinction is that within this space in particular, there's so much that's yet to be developed that the Wagme mentality is a bit more viable because innovation is genuinely rewarded. And I contrast this in my head, and this is this is an uneducated take um, to some extent. So like, don't take me too seriously here. But I think it's the case that like either politicians or like high up businessmen or something they they have this mentality of if I'm winning, someone else is losing. But I care about winning for myself more than I care about the other person losing. So let me get my own bag up. Let me screw someone else over just because this is the way it's done and this is the way it'll always be because this is how I've seen it happen. And I think it's exactly what you said. It's the culture shift in the Web3 space in general of the idea that anybody can build, anybody can make it is like the fundamental differentiating factor. And it's it's really cool to watch how this plays out. I am curious actually to see how that plays out too, because I wonder if this space will evolve to something where innovation will continue to be rewarded or if we'll see to, to a large extent people getting greedy and the, I would call it like a zero sum game mindset where when I'm winning, someone one else is losing the exact same. And I know some people would push back to that saying, well, when you're flipping NFTs, isn't that the case anyways, where it's zero sum? And I would say yes, but I would also say no in the sense that when there's genuine value being created and delivered, it is 100% the case that even if you are taking someone else's spot. Say I buy a D gods off of someone for 45 and I ride it to 150, for example. You could argue that the person who sold at 45 is losing, and maybe they are, but at the same time, isn't there more value being created by the D gods community? And as healthier money moves into that ecosystem, we see a more flourishing ecosystem where a lot more people end up winning. It's a really sharp distinction there and i actually don't know where the line is or too much of what i'm saying right now because it's it's so complicated i can't even wrap my head around it but it's just something that occurs to me pretty often 
Yeah. And you bring up a good point. And I think when I say, you know, the whole like intent of networking in the NFT space doesn't feel so much like I'm talking to you because I want something, because I definitely think that happens for sure. That happens in any aspect of business. So if we're considering NFT projects to be businesses and startups, like that has to happen because different people have different connections, different skills that you might not have that you you would like to leverage, like that that's going to happen. But I think it boils back down to your point of in traditional corporations, like in real life, these markets, these industries are highly saturated. There's like hundreds or thousands of companies doing the same thing in the same space. But here, there's really not that many. It feels like there's a lot. Sometimes it feels like we're not early and it feels like there's a lot going on in this space. But when you're comparing it to the broader scheme of things and the population of people operating in real life or in Web2, it's just a fraction of that. So as the market grows and becomes more saturated, will we be able to maintain that sort of supportive WAGME type mindset? Or will it inherently switch over to something more similar to what we're seeing in real life? 